Hello and welcome to episode 2 of 2 Tough to Die. Uh, my name is Mitch and uh, this episode is entitled Blood is Thicker Than Water. I wanted to kind of expand on the idea of uh, genetic precursors and things like that for mental illness and alcoholism and uh, all the things that kind of fall into that category because it's it's not just stuff with my dad and all that kind of mess that that led to me drinking and things like it's also the uh massive amount of history of drug abuse and substance abuse and and uh suicide and and mental illness and things like that that run through my family so i don't know a whole lot about my dad's side other than he was an alcoholic and his father was an alcoholic and uh i never knew I don't even know what he looks like my grandfather on that side I'd been to his grave and I know he was there when I was born but that's about it uh, so anyway on my maternal side there's mass amounts you know what I do know is is plenty uh, so to start off uh, we'll go with my grandfather uh, like I mentioned before in the last one my grandfather had two brothers who were uh, heavy drinkers and uh, they used to like steal money from him and stuff like that to go drinking. He would work and uh, he had to pay to go to high school. None of them, you know, they all quit like eighth grade or sixth grade, you know, because daddy said they had to come home and work, help out around the house. And uh, but he uh, worked out a deal with the principal where he could come and clean up after school and, and like uh, clean the halls and mop the floors and stuff like that. Uh, which is what I do now, uh, anyway, so he could go to high school. Uh, his brothers were real jealous of that, and they uh, took it out. You know, I don't know much about how it went down, but I can imagine they probably roughed him up some, things like that. Uh, so when he was 17, he had had enough of it, and he left home uh, and joined the, uh, well, what do you call it, the Triple C, the, uh, like, part of the New Deal, and, building the state parks and stuff like that. Uh, so he went off and did that, lied about his age so he could join. And uh, uh, But those two brothers drank all their entire lives. And uh, one of them had a, a daughter who became a nurse and committed suicide later on uh, in her 30, about 38, I think, so I'm 37. Uh, then... Uh, that's kind of about all I know about them. Uh, there's some other cousins and things like that, but uh, uh, they were just a lot older, and I don't have a lot of uh, history with them. Now, on my grandmother's side, uh, her father was, uh, which would be my great-grandfather, was this great big tall man. He was like six foot four, six foot five. I don't even know, but really tall, and especially tall from back in the late 1800s uh early 1900s and uh so he had four kids and when he was 34 he got pneumonia and died like just i mean like that it's crazy and it's right in the middle of the great depression uh, and so there's my uh, great grandmother left with four kids and nobody to help her and nobody to help do the farm and things like that and so uh my uncle Travis, who was the oldest, uh, I think he was like 12 at the time, he kind of had to bear part of the burden and, and go to 
work and start uh, doing just odd jobs, like anything you can do. And like, there's this one story where he uh, walked like forever. I don't know how far to help this guy on his farm uh, to harvest molasses or apples or something or something like that. And they gave him uh, like a jug of cider as payment. Uh, apple cider and then it was so far and the jug was so heavy and he was so young uh, it took him forever to get home and it had uh, turned either it turned in the travel or it was bad and the dude paid him with bad cider I don't know but he was real upset with it and uh, my great grandmother she uh, she said oh it'll be okay honey and she boiled it down and got all the sour out of it and and they still used it so I, thought, I always liked that story uh, but the flip side of that is his brother, uh, my Uncle Bud, the great Uncle Bud, uh, who I don't really remember very much, uh, he did not have that uh, drive. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really speculate about him. But I do know that he drank himself to death. Uh, when he was young, he uh, was walking or cutting through this uh, farmer's property or something like that. Uh, there's this barn out there. And the farmer's wife had been having an affair. And the guy came home and witnessed it and murdered them both. And my uncle saw it. Like, I don't know what he was doing there. They might have just been playing or whatever. But Uncle Bud, he witnessed it. And I think that really fucked him up. You know, like, and, and ever since then, they said he was different. Um... And uh, he died in the county jail, uh, same county jail that I uh, have been in several times. Uh, so it's not there anymore. Now it's a privatized place. It's kind of ugh. so. Uh, there's another instance of alcoholism running in my family. Uh, then my uh, grand, my uncle who's uh, my grandmother's, well, obviously it would be my grandmother's son. Anyway, he had uh, two daughters who suffered, uh, one the oldest who really suffers from substance abuse and uh, just everything, you know, and uh, crack and heroin and been to rehab like 17, 18 times. I've only been twice. <laughs> I don't know if that's a badge of honor in my family. Uh, but anyway... Which is horrible, too, because, like, my grandmother and my grandfather are, like, greatest generation types, you know, and they were, uh, he fought World War II, and they both lived through the Great Depression, and they were, did everything they could, you know, and he even sacrificed his body working in that chemical plant and uh, for the good of his family, and it's even, my grandmother's still living, you know, he died in, like, 91 or something like that. She's, uh, God, 95? I don't know. Um, uh, but they were, you know, they just did everything they could to provide for their kids and make life. He was a sharecropper and all this kind of stuff after the war, and they lived in the Delta for a really long time, and that's where all my, uh, my mom and her siblings were born in the Delta. Uh, and my grandmother still loves Chinese food to this day, because they live next to a Chinese family. That was big time into that. Uh, so, uh, but she has, has really been through a lot um and you know her uh my uncle he came home one 
and caught his wife cheating on him, but he didn't murder her uh, with her best friend, uh, with his best friend. I mean, uh, they worked at the, the plant together and stuff. It's fucked up. And so that was real rough on them. Uh, and then he remarried later and had two twins uh, who were uh, thick of the same color red hair as my, my kids. Uh, so there's another genetic, <laughs> you know, tie. And I worry about my kids, too. Um, maybe my son shows it a little more. And that was a big problem I had, too, with having a son, you know, having gone through that with my father. And I, and I swore, like, for years, I did not want, you know, swerving down. I would never have children because I didn't want to. I felt like I was born cursed, you know, uh, because mine was a life that was not meant to be. Uh, even when I was born, they had a hard time birthing me, and they had to use the forceps and stuff. I got stuck in the birthing now, uh, and it gave me like a real phobia. Like if I get pinned down, I start freaking out, dude. Uh, but anyway, uh, and they had to use the forceps to get me out, and uh, they cut my uh, side of my face and stuff. So I came in right right by my eye, and uh, like I kept twisting my neck and stuff and fighting with them. I think that's where my like my early neck damage and stuff came from. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I'm very dramatic in it. By the way, I think my life, or I used to, like that's another thing too with doing this podcast and and this felonious Mitch stuff I've been doing. Uh, I had to even take a break from it because it's really hard pulling all this old stuff up. You know, like these are things that I've moved. Or at least I thought I had. Apparently not. I have to do a whole podcast about them. Uh, but I thought I had moved on from these things. Uh, uh, and it's just really... Uh, it puts me back in that state. You know what I mean? Because like, I kind of have to make myself think a little that way to remember the stories, you know? And uh, it's it's dangerous. Uh, you know, I have to uh, be careful and kind of... That's why I'm trying to take this really slow and, and wait a while before I get to some of the really rough stuff that I've done, you know, because I, I got some really hardcore, <laughs> terrible behavior, you know, you know, like, it's just, it's just difficult to, to, to face who that person was, knowing who you are now. Um, so anyway, sorry, I went, went off on a little tangent there. And also on my uh, grandmother's side, her sister, uh, she had a son who was uh, a big drinker and <clears throat> ended up being a meth cook and stuff like that later on. Uh, and then his son as well uh, had problems with heroin, opiates, and stuff like that. I smoked my very first joint with him when I was like 14. Uh, we were working at the fish house, uh, like I mentioned I, uh, it was his grandmother that ran the catfish restaurant. Uh, and so when mine was doing the prep work, I'd go over there and hang out with him sometimes. And he was kind of my first introduction in the outlaw lifestyle and things like that. Uh, and I remember this one day we were out there dicking around and walked up there and he said, Hey man, you ever smoke? I said, no. And my dad smokes cigarettes, you know. And my adopted father. So I'll be calling him my dad from now on through these stories until the time in life when he is no longer considered my dad. Uh, but anyway, 
So we go up there and I see him pulling this baggie out with some green stuff, you know, and he breaks it out. And then he takes and puts some coke on there. I think he started doing coke when he was like 10. So the first joint I ever smoked was fucking <laughs> spiked and shit. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, he ended up doing a lot. He was in and out of prison a lot. Uh, he had more, uh, I guess, uh, extra felonious uh ambitions and and start breaking into houses and shit like that because he he started real early on the hard drugs and i think it, it messed his mind up a lot you know because that's early development ages you know and if you start really fucking with your chemistry like that doing hard drugs like coke and shit you know you really uh, gamble in there uh but anyway he's still, I still you know he's my cousin and i love him and everything we i've got more in common with him than most people uh, so that's just, you know, it's basically what I'm doing is, is showing how prevalent it is in my life and my family. Uh, and, um, so I kind of want to paint a picture of what the, the area I grew up in was like, uh, you know, I mentioned it before that there are only like 300 people in my high school, in my whole school. So that's starting at kindergarten all the way up. Uh, it's a real, real small town, but there's like 15 churches within that small town. Uh, you know, it's like a one-mile stretch on the highway that's actually the town, but there's a large section of of hills and things like that that are considered Smithville. Uh, and it's Smithville, not Smithville. <laughs> Smithville with an F. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it's one of those places for me anyway, I felt like it was really hard to escape from. Um, once you're there, you're there. Uh, you know, back in the day, it, it had a, a really thriving garment industry. Uh, Amory is a big railroad hub. And uh, so there's garment factories everywhere and furniture plants everywhere. And and uh, all that stuff started dying out later on. And uh, But I did end up working in the same furniture plant my grandmother worked in. I mean, a garment factory, same furniture plant that my mother and my dad and uh, a lot of people I knew worked in. Uh, I almost, my mom broke her arm in this plant one time. Uh, I was at the babysitter, and uh, it really messed me up, too, because, like, they told me before she can't, because she couldn't come get me. Like, your mom's at the hospital, she broke her arm walking out of the plant, uh, and it messed me up bad, like I was, you know, like inconsolable crying. It's like it's an early uh, feeling of of empathy for another person, and especially like uh, seeing your mother as vulnerable. Because I really had no like my dad was he was around, but he wasn't around a lot because he did conveyors and construction and stuff like that. So he's always gone traveling, uh, so he wasn't around a whole lot. Uh, and I always was uncomfortable when he was. <clears throat> but, uh, so I was, I was like, you know, there's no way she can't break her arm. She can't be hurt. Uh, and that was like my early starting to uh, realize that I had to uh, be careful with that because the other people were, um, like the other kids were like, oh, what is he crying for? And all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so I became really aware of what others thought of me, uh, which was something that I struggled with until I was, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know about 17, 18. Now quit giving a fuck and then I'll kiss my ass. <laughs> uh, but so um, the town's really small and basically, and there's not much to it. Uh, they had a Piggly Wiggly and, uh, you know, not a whole lot. Uh, my best friend lived across from my uh, grandmother. There's a creek in between it and, like, Smithville is a it's a waterway town, so the Ten Time Waterway runs through there. Uh, these locks and dams and things that I've always had. Like a, my grandfather used to take me there all the time uh, to fish and just talk and hang out. Uh, and that's where I proposed to my wife uh, when I was on pass from prison. <laughs> Romantic, you know. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, so and just uber like uh conservative baptist and and uh my mom and my grandfather you know i don't know if my grandfather really cared but he was there every sunday um but my mom she was really like threw herself into it she gets that way uh similar to how i am throwing myself into this uh where she fixate on something and just really like take it to the nth degree uh which can be a powerful tool but can also lead you down a path of destruction if you take it to the nth degree when it comes to drinking and drugging and stuff like I do uh, but <clears throat> so we were there like every time the doors were open like uh, Sunday morning uh, Sunday school then service then evening Sunday school and service then Wednesday night Sunday school thing we had this thing called the RAs where it's it's kind of like church boy scouts basically where they um weave in all the stories of the bible into here we're going to teach you how to build this birdhouse you know Jesus was a carpenter and and we did it in this like creepy basement part of the church it was always I always like going down there and like when I was older I'd go down there and sneak cigarettes and smoke out smoked down there during the service used to come into church stinking and say i mean like because i would just hot box them you know and wolf them down and so i'd come walk them like i'd leave like i was going to the bathroom and then i'd come back in uh and just raking the cigarettes and uh but we kept that up till i was about 16 where we went all that much and i was always uh, i remember when we got to settlement she uh gave him like 10 grand and i was always bitter about that because uh, especially now, uh, I don't know what you'd call me spiritual, I guess. Uh, um, I just don't know. Uh, that, that I'll find out when I'm gone. But I'm very uh, follow the towel, uh when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, you just kind of, if something works for you, you take it and you use it. And if something doesn't, then you leave it by the wayside. But you don't... Uh, confine yourself to any one system um, because that leads to uh, extremism you know anyway go off on a religious tent but <sighs> so the town is just very small and very conservative and very everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business and but there's all these dark things happening underneath the surface like there's this guy who uh lived in my neighborhood uh there's like a my house is on my grandfather's like a farm you know like it's farmland that he wasn't using anymore it's where we live um 
but the other farmland had been sold and made into a subdivision right there. There's this dude that lived in the subdivision. His his wife was a babysitter, you know, like she just kept all the kids after school and babies and just everything. Um, and he came to find out like years later that he was a fucking pedophile too and had been abusing kids. And I don't know if he abused the kids that she kept, but I do know he abused uh, some of his own children. And like he tried to go out there and uh, I, I hung out with these boys that lived in the neighborhood, his three brothers. And uh, I remember one time he got real pissed because they uh, were snooping around uh, in his shop when he was out there one time. Uh, and he caught them and, and uh, it, was, uh, it was real weird like how they, uh, how he reacted so bad to them just peeping in the window and stuff so you know ooh. um and I used to go over there and get him to like work on my bike and all this kind of I guess he just wasn't into me <laughs> but that's fucked up uh, and like uh in the church one of our uh <clears throat> one of the uh choir directors uh he got busted for doing something where he was, uh, uh, like soliciting underage kids on, or girls online. I don't know if he ever did anything or, I don't know. Probably shouldn't even be talking about this kind of stuff because I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers, but I'm just trying to, to, uh, but I guess, you know, pedophiles' feathers are the feathers that nobody should care about ruffling. Uh, but I'm just trying to illustrate that, like, even in the, smallest simplest what you think is simple town is some fucked up shit going on you know underneath uh so school i, start, I always kind of got in trouble at school uh just couldn't focus i was a big daydreamer and stuff and uh but it got really bad after I uh, found out all the news with Bill and all that kind of stuff, learned all that. Um, I remember this one time, I don't know what I was doing to piss the teacher off or what kind of day she was having, but I was being, I don't know, I was doing something and being a fucker. Uh, but she got on to me and I put my head down uh, and just because I was done with her and that's kind of why I, I still do that where I, uh, I just shut down instead of... Um, Dealing with the issue or confronting her, uh, put my head down and she came over and grabbed me by the back of the hair and snatched my head up and was just like, I don't remember. Oh, it was awful. But and uh, that's another I don't know instance where you're seeing somebody in authority not be who you think they're supposed to be. You know, everybody's human. I don't ever, you know. That didn't really mess me up that bad, but I just, it always stuck with me as uh, somebody crossed, like even adults, you know, they cross lines. You know, kids get in trouble all the time, but an adult doing something that you know, you know, because by the end you've got enough experience with life to what right and wrong is. I think they even call that like the age of... uh, age of understanding isn't that what they call it get into heaven if you're that or like if you don't uh, get saved from whatever you burn in hell fucking stupid shit 
There's no hell, by the way. I don't think so. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I keep switching topics. This is this is messing like a. The first episode it just came pouring out of me, you know. But this time I'm having a hard time. Like I've had to stop and start recording two or three times, and uh, the flow isn't really coming this time. I think it's I get um, it's easier for me to tell like the partying stories or the fucked up DUI stories and shit like that. But but dealing with this background stuff and digging deep into your childhood issues that's murky water man and ugh, i just keep having to stop to 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 bring it up uh, so uh, i lost the thread about my buddy my best friend who lived across the creek uh, the town's waterway running through it and there's a overflow creek that goes in between my grandmother's property uh and then uh, my friend who lived across the creek uh and that's how we met when we were kids i go out there and i'm taking a piss in the creek he comes in next to me takes a piss in the creek and then we're best friends ever since uh of course we lost touch later in life uh, which i lost touch with a lot of people once i started partying real uh, <clears throat> but he was uh, really into animals and stuff like that and uh, snakes especially uh, i remember uh, he got this python one year for Christmas, it was like just a little one, you know, like a foot long, and he kept that thing for years, man, it got up to be, uh, it was 16 feet long, and had a head on it like a football, dude, <clears throat> and he kept it in like, uh, he used to take it around to like the fair and stuff, and you'd pay a dollar or whatever to look at it or see it, and uh, he kept it in like a motorcycle trailer type thing, the enclosed ones with the door on the back, with the big like thick uh, plexiglass thing that covered up the door except for the top where you could throw food and stuff in and then you would close the big metal door with the like trailer latch on the back <clears throat> well one day the snake had gotten so big it had raised up and threw all its weight against the door man and knocked it off the hinges and busted the glass out got out and got into the neighbor's basement and the dude went down there to go get some, well, something happened, I don't know, a fuse went out, whatever. He had to go down in the basement, and there's that fucking snake, man. And, like, when it was coiled up, it was four or five feet tall, just fucking huge. He freaked out when he got the shotgun and killed it. And I remember Colby was, he was crying, man, and we had to bury him. Uh, we had, like, a funeral and everything for it. The snake's name was uh, Rambo. Uh, but that was, you know, that's where I got like my early, we would just play in the creek all the time. Uh, and, you know, we made sure to play uh, upstream from where we pee. <laughs> but that's basically what I did every day after school. I'd go out there, meet him at the creek. We'd be down there like catching frogs, catching snakes, catching fucking rattlesnakes. I remember one time I brought a rattlesnake home and my dad was like, what the fuck are you doing bringing a goddamn rattlesnake home? Just, you know, like... When kids like you kill those things, I'm like no man, you catch them and play with them. I remember one time, like uh, it would flood a lot, and they would open the channels up to let the lock, you know, uh, to keep the area from flooding. And so the 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 creek in between our houses would get super high and like rapidly, almost like rapids running down through there. Uh, and one time it flooded so bad that we were walking through the field to the Piggly Wiggly was like. You had to cut through these couple fields to get to it. Uh, we were cutting through the field, and we found this fucking loggerhead turtle, man. It was huge, like 
um, you know those like number three wash bins that you wash dogs in and stuff. Uh, it filled the whole bottom of one of those up. So me and Kobe, we picked it up and we were carrying it through the field for. I mean, that thing weighed a ton. We weren't but like six or seven. Carried it all the way back to his house and put it in like tub, filled it with water. Uh, we got up the next morning, it was gone though, and it escaped. Uh, but that's really what like we would explore everywhere through the town you know like it's the 80s you can go anywhere uh there are no restrictions especially once you can ride a bike you just open the door say get the fuck out of here you know i want to see you till the sun goes down um <clears throat> which it was nice to have that childhood but probably a bad thing because man we were getting into some shit i remember um one time these uh prisoners escaped and they said they were coming through the area and all this kind of stuff and we were out playing in the field and there they were i'm assuming it was them but it was three dudes who i'd never you know nobody cuts through that cornfield there's three dudes come walking through and they were heading for this old there's like an old bedding house back over there in the old part of smithville they got blown away by the tornado and a kid we knew that lived over there was like, I think those dudes are staying in that house, man. And so we went over there and, and uh, found a huge stash of Playboys in there. Uh, of course, I was about eight, so I don't really know what was going on with that. But uh, so, I don't know. I just thought it was strange. A strange thing to happen as a kid. Uh, see escape prisoners loping across the field. Uh, that was always a fucked up thing, too. Like, um... I stayed at that babysitter. I remember when my mom broke her arm or whatever. She had a son who was a teenager. And we were kids, man, to torture us and shit. He would make us watch horror movies. That's why I had all those Freddy dreams and stuff like that. I was probably maybe five when I saw Poltergeist for the first time. Just like all that. And I love horror movies and stuff now. But back then, it would I would have like these night terrors and shit. And I remember I used to see... Uh, shadows and all this kind of like you know how, you know how you make things appear there's this one thing and I've actually heard of this uh, it's a uh, a hairy red-eyed monster dude kind of like a Bigfoot type but it's not and it would come and sit at the foot of your bed uh, there's all these accounts I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it I remember I got up and I told my mom about it one night and the thing followed me in there she couldn't see it but uh, I listened to this uh, last podcast on left. It's all about um, they do uh, conspiracy theory breakdowns and serial killers and that kind of stuff. I'm fascinated. I'm just fascinated with the mind and how twisted it can get because I, I got a little twist of me, you know. Um, but they were talking about that too in one of their episodes. Like there's all these accounts of people seeing that same thing, this hairy, red-eyed, like Bigfoot-looking kind of monster. Uh, appearing at your at your bed and sitting there and just watch you it's fucked up man oh oh i still got goosebumps dude i know i'm like shotgunning all over the place talking about my background and in the hairy red-eyed monster runner uh, <laughs> but it's just my brain is is like that too it, it jumps a lot uh these memories will pop in sometimes things that I thought I've forgotten uh, because I have suffered a lot of concussions uh, car I've totaled three vehicles and all drunk so, well the first one I went but been knocked unconscious several times and taken hard hits to the 
to the frontal lobe. Uh, and I think that's really affected uh, my memory and my personality and like even my speech too. Like, you know, I was bitching about my tongue and my small jaw and all that, but um, that's part of it too. Like, the words won't come. The, from the brain to the mouth is a lot slower than it used to be. And, and uh, I think that might be consequences of, of especially like my meth years and stuff. <laughs> jump in my head just give me a little teaser <laughs> those are fun days so a little on the nature side I wanted to get into um my dad uh adopted father he's from uh North Carolina and his dad was a fucking maniac man his name was Cocky and uh his nickname I don't know what I can't remember what I think his real name was uh Arthur uh, but anyway, he was a bad motherfucker, uh, and I didn't find all this out until, uh, my uncle told me years later, way years later, um, but back during the Depression, he was a bootlegger and, and a, uh, outlaw, basically, and then once Prohibition ended, he took up to growing. I saw these Polaroids, man, all the fields and stuff, it was nuts, and, uh, <laughs> It's crazy, but that dude's been dead for years. So, <laughs> um, but they were like real outlaw types, and he had seventeen children, uh, and he was also like twenty eight years older than my grandmother. Uh, my dad's what he had like this whole other life before, and all these other kids, and then she died, and he, I don't know how that happened. But then he married my grandmother, and then had four kids with her, uh, and so. Um, he was just a bad motherfucker. I heard this story about <clears throat> my dad. Like, he would use his kids to be his runners and stuff. And uh, I heard this story about a, the Hells Angels were trying to move in on his territory. And he took him and a bunch of his buddies, went over there and fucked them and burned their clubhouse down and stuff. Of course, they came back. But that's just kind of give you an idea of what this guy was like. I vaguely remember him when I was about five. He died of emphysema because he smoked Lucky No Filters his whole life. And uh, so uh, he was a bad motherfucker. And then <laughs> my uh, dad and his brothers, uh, they were all outlaw types. And uh, a lot of them uh, and their friends died. A lot of their friends died in the 70s and stuff. Um, motorcycle wrecks i'm sure they were victims of cocaine and hard partying <clears throat> so he used to always really be on me when i was when i started kind of falling into that about uh, look i've been there and i know what you're going through and if you don't here i am doing the same thing uh, uh anything you ever thought of doing i probably did it 10 times worse and he probably did uh, it kind of makes sometimes wish that i that I was part of that gene pool because it would have prepared me a little bit better for the life I ended up leaving, leading um, because they're made of a tougher metal than me. Um, uh, but, you know, they're also fucked up. Everybody is, but and there were troubles there too. Uh, but my grandmother, there, we used to go uh, visit them twice a year for Christmas and during the summer, we would go up there for a while. And she ran this uh, 
like a out of her home nursing home. It wasn't a nursing home, but it was for uh, women who I don't know what their deals were. Uh, I, th- I heard a rumor that one of them had murdered her husband years ago for beating her. Uh, but she kind of took them in and they could stay there and like she would hospice them till they died or whatever and like they would take little day trips and all this kind of stuff so they were always there even when I was a little kid I would go and like they all had they had their own part of the house like it was it was a pretty big place uh but over there in their little lounge area and stuff they all chain smoked and you'd go in there as a little kid like riding your tricycle in there and there's fucking just huge cloud of smoke and I remember when she moved out of that house where years later we had to move all the furniture and everything out and like in behind the couches and st- stuff was white the walls were white from where the, all the years and nicotine and behind every, every picture when we made the tv and like the couches were, were, were like a cream uh fabric with like the flowers and stuff inlaid in them and like it was yellow but then on the back you could see like what the, what the real upholstery had looked at like uh before 30 years old women smoking but they were always cool man I, I liked them and and uh you know they loved to see me coming around begging for candy and stuff uh but she was really just open hearted and, and you know like I was not their uh blood child uh relative but my, uh, my dad had had another my sister uh she is his daughter she uh, she's my half sister, but she's my sister. Um, but uh, so they were really cool with, with including me and everything. Of course, I had the name, all that. Um, but she had—I remember she had this uh, up there in the hills in North Carolina. She had this huge rock that would jut out in her front yard, and like you could go and play on it and stuff. And like to this day, that's still the most at peace I ever am. Is, is being around rock formations like that. Uh, that or uh, office parks for some reason. A really cool office park just fills me with a sense of calm. So around the time I was like 11 or 12, I started hanging out with some cousins of mine, uh, two brothers. They were like a year apart. Uh, and they lived in this trailer park close by. And Mom would kind of drop me off there to hang out. She would go work at the fish house at night. She was a waitress there too on top of working at a furniture plant because uh, there were a lot of times when uh, my dad didn't have a job I remember that there were long stretches where he wouldn't work uh, so I imagine that's just part of construction and probably just dissatisfied with the way life was going at the time and you know he's living in a trailer on his father-in-law's property and and you know I, I would feel something about that too uh and, you know, he turned that into something and went on and did something else. Uh, so I started hanging with Jamie and and Scott, uh, my cousins, and uh, <coughs> my grandmother's son. Uh, and they're real cool. And they're, um, their parents had gotten divorced when they were younger. And so I kind of could relate to them a lot more. You know, like a lot of the guys I played ball with and stuff like that their parents were still together whether or not the marriage was happy uh, they were all still married and I was somebody who's had a different background and like I wasn't 
shy about that. I've always been a storyteller, and I would always just be like, guess what I found out? My dad's not my real dad, and here's my real dad, and there's all this, and blah, blah, blah. Isn't that crazy? You know, and just would just tell those tales over and over again. Like, was a real fucking prick about it, too, when I got the money. Um, But at that time, life was not like that. Mom worked in a furniture plant. She worked two jobs. Dad wasn't, you know... That was just the same story, and I was never comfortable around him anyway, so I could relate to them a lot more, and uh, through them, I started hanging out with a lot of other guys at school that I normally didn't hang out with. Uh, this is like sixth grade, and this kind of my early growing my hair long, started uh, reading a lot of comics, and getting into that, and kind of being less of a baseball kid, and more of a eclectic, you know brought in my horizons <laughs> uh but uh and i remember at that time i had this denim jacket that i had uh and uh put keel on the back in big red letters like uh in permanent mark and sharpie and drew like a big sword and like i was always into that kind of stuff you know because all the being subjected to all the horror movies at the babysitter <laughs> uh but they were too and that's kind of how we we bonded we i remember we all Stayed the night at this guy's house who came who was the one who drew he could draw he had drew the thing on my backpack on my uh jacket uh so he became our friend right away because he could drew knives and swords and throwing stars and all that kind of stuff uh so we planned this big spend the night party over at his house uh and he lived uh near a few other guys i would become friends with uh later on and uh and one friend who kind of helped me spark all this he was murdered uh but he lived a similar life to mine, but he was way more of a badass than me. You know, I was, they used to call me Mitch the Bitch because I would always back down from confrontation and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, call me a bitch now, you fucked up though. Uh, no, that's prison, that's old prison <laughs> stuff. That was a really hard thing too when I got out because you, you train yourself to, if somebody says that, if somebody calls you a bitch in there, you gotta swing. There ain't no fucking, you just don't, there ain't nothing. You don't let that fly. Uh, when I got out, I had to like really check myself because people just throw that shit around out in, out in the real world. Uh, but I digress. Uh, those stories are just, they're compelling to me and, and they're ones that I hadn't really told anybody and so I kind of want to get them out of me. Uh, so it just keeps spilling out while I'm trying to do all these early, and these are just the early episodes. Where once we get all the background out of the way, I'll start expanding them on uh kind of my philosophies and things like that and how I think um, we should start approaching mental health and, and substance abuse and similarly to Russell Brand's take and in the war on drugs and uh, we should be helping them and not uh, hurting them and of course my life is a, is a testament to that so I'm sorry thinking about Jared kind of bumps me out uh which it should, but it's just uh, all these sparks. They, they got this ball rolling. When they come up, they uh, they really make it tough. And I watched this Mister <laughs> Rogers thing on Amazon earlier. It just, whew, got me real weepy. <laughs> I start getting uh, skateboarding too uh, at that time. You know, Tony Hawk's coming out, and that's all being. Uh, there's that movie Claiming the Cube, and I think it had another name. Uh, with Christian Slater in it, where he uses skateboards to save the day and all that. 
they had like this underground half pipe too that was you open like a hatch and you go under and there's a half pipe i always thought that was really cool and it had like grand designs to build my own which never happened <laughs> it's those grand designs this one i'm making happen so i'm starting to see this thing going off the rails here uh it's really late here i have to record this after my kids go to sleep and uh it's, it's been, just been a long day i can't seem to get my brain going uh so before i get too tired i wanted to go ahead and tell my too tough to die story uh so this is a story um about 12 uh and uh we had this uh above ground pool but it's the type that has a deep end in it you know so like half of it's above ground and half of it's under uh but it's it looks like just your standard above ground pool so we built this deck around the whole thing and we excuse me sorry we would get going and uh make a wave pool you know so me and my buddy are doing that and we'd make whirlpools and all that kind of stuff and play it and that was uh that was when uh jamie and scott and and all them uh, would come to my house a lot because i had the pool and we could play and <clears throat> that was a really fun time in life i started having these uh weekend spend the night parties and stuff and everybody would come over and, and like four or five um my friends would come spend the night almost like every other week it, it was pretty regular thing uh and you know i live in this huge field and we'd go out and play uh nerf war and all that kind of shit and jump in the pool and it, it was fun uh but at this time it's just me and uh zeb my one friend i think it's zeb see that's another thing i don't know i can't remember who it was that i was with that day so anyway we're making this wave pool jumping in and out you know and like when you when you do your cannonball or your jackknife or whatever move, you know, you got to call it out for you jump in, you know, do spinning corkscrew jackknife, fucking whatever, you know, make a big wave, uh, and you just get in and out and just keep doing it over and over again. Eventually, the water would get going real high, and you get on the inner tube and fucking get it going real good. So you do your cannonball or whatever and go straight to the bottom, and then out to get out as fast as you could, you push off the bottom and shoot straight up, you know. And like, shoot out as fast as you could and that was kind of part of the game to see who could shoot up the furthest out of the water you know and get as much as their body up out of the water straight from the bottom <clears throat> well i do this big cannonball go down to the bottom and shoot up and as i'm coming up and right as my head's about to break the surface zeb i think it was zeb cannonballs me and he ass hits me right in the forehead it snaps my neck back man and i was paralyzed couldn't breathe anything for like five minutes like he's freaking out and he had to pull me to the side get me out of the pool like i couldn't even i couldn't move i was just, i couldn't breathe he's like what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong oh my god you know freaking out you know like just fucking couldn't move and then i don't know if i was like on the verge of being paralyzed or what uh but it or if it was just such a hard shock to my system that that my body kind of froze to keep me from damaging myself. I don't know. That's all speculation. But yeah, dude, for real, paralyzed for a good five minutes, couldn't move. Uh, and then just all of a sudden, I could move again. And I heard this kind of click, crack in my neck. And, and that's when my migraine started. This, uh, uh, and I would 
get this I still to this day every once in a while you feel it going up the back of your spinal column it kind of sounds like those rain sticks you know when you like that but it's you feel it's like crinkling in the back of your in my neck um but I used to have to go to the chiropractor all the time for it because my second vertebrae would slip out of place and then pinch my optic nerve in behind my right eye which is my bad eye uh, and just like just piercing migraines and so I'd have to, like I couldn't even open my eyes when we'd go to the chiropractor they would just my mom would just leave me to the car and put me in there and drive me uh, and then I'd just have to keep my eyes closed till I went in and just be like tears running down your face just excruciating and then I'd go in there and he'd just and click it back in place and uh said i would, i guess i grew out of it uh, it doesn't happen anymore every once in a while i get a bad headache but nothing like that um so that was another time where i was too tough to die uh you can uh follow me on twitter at uh at felonious mitch uh i got a facebook uh like a i don't know what you call it like a per business page type thing where you can book me and stuff like that and try to post videos and things i hadn't shot a lot of videos since i've been doing this podcast uh but you can go on there and check some stuff out there's a youtube uh felonious mitch youtube dash felonious mitch and all the links are on my website felonious uh that's f-e-l-o-n-i-o-u-s-m-i-t-c-h.com can't believe I spelled it right. I've been having to spell it a lot because I'm setting all this stuff up, like my PayPal and my Patreon and all that kind of stuff. So I've been spelling felonious a lot lately. <laughs> uh, it's coming up in my, every time I type F-E into my predictive tags, it comes up felonious now. Um, um, and please, if you do like the show, uh, I hadn't got it set up yet where you can pay, but uh, I think you can pledge or whatever. Uh before I set all that up, please go to my Patreon. Uh, it's Patreon backslash Felonious Mitch. I think the F and the M are capitalized on that. I'm not sure. But I bet if you just go to Creators and put in Felonious Mitch, it would come up. Uh, so, anyway. Later. Uh, one last thing I'd like to promote. Um, if you're in the Memphis area, uh, tomorrow, Friday the 13th, April 13th, uh, and, uh, Americana, which is near the new high tone off Union Avenue. Uh, I'll be doing a spill it, which is an open mic kind of thing, which you put your name in the hat. Hopefully my name will get pulled. Uh, but I did win runner-up at the last one. Uh, but I'll be there. Uh, it's $10 to get in. Uh, but you please come and you can put your name in the hat and tell a story if you got a story to tell. And There's not a guarantee that I'll tell a story, but it's still fun. Uh Mine was by far not the best one I heard that night, so uh, which is a uh, neurotic thing to say. I don't know. Anyway, so if you want to check that out, uh, I'll be there tomorrow, uh, Friday, April 13th, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, later again, I guess.